Broadcasting from the beautiful Mile High City, you're listening to the Do It Again podcast with your host, the professor of professional wrestling, warlock of the wristlock, the catch wrestling quant, submission mathematician, mace magus, and the sage of scientific wrestling, Jake Shannon. is the Do It Again podcast, the official podcast of Scientific Wrestling, the leader in no-holds-barred catch-as-catch-can. I am your host, Jake Shannon, and I am so excited uh, to have a very good friend of mine uh, and a guy I've looked up to for, man, decades uh, now, uh, Eric Paulson. And so without any further ado, let's bring him on. Eric, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Jake. How are you? I'm doing super, man. I'm really doing great. I'm glad to have you on the on the podcast yeah thank you i'm sorry to mess up the time oh no it's it's no worries this will work just fine difference so you know i mean anybody who's been involved with catches catch can wrestling likely knows who you are however for those people because there's always kind of younger people getting pulled into all this uh business what you know what was your path because you started um you started, I think, like like me, at least on the grappling side of things, um, with with judo. Is that right? Yeah, I started in 1974. Uh, I was in fourth grade. I started judo, wow. and then uh, I saw my first Bruce Lee movie. I got in a street fight. And this guy grabbed my hair and pulled me back and into the ice and snow in Minnesota, and we fought in the snowbank. So I saw a Bruce Lee movie, and I said, I got to learn how to punch and kick. So I started karate when I was in sixth grade. Okay. Then my dad watched that and said, hey, uh, you know, that's really dangerous. You should get into a real sport like boxing. So he made me get into golden gloves. Eighth grade. Wow. Wow. And 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 then I realized when I did the boxing, as I was doing the boxing, I walked next door and there was an Aikido, authentic traditional Aikido class going on. So I took Aikido at the same time I was doing karate, started gymnastics and boxing. So are we still in the 80s or is this still the 70s? That is 76. Let's see. Uh, no, um, so eighth grade for me, I graduated in 1984. So when yes, did you, uh, I guess it, when did you move to California? 1986 after two years after high school wow wow i went out for spring break and then i said i think i want to go out there full time see and a lot of people i don't know uh if they know this about you but you've done a lot of stunt work as well well i I went moved originally moved out to california to pursue three things one i was doing a lot of modeling so i did modeling and i got hit on by so many guys that I said, you know, maybe I'll get into acting. And as I got into acting, I got hit on by more guys. And then I thought, you know what? I wonder, I wonder if it's like that in the stunt world. And somebody goes, not at all. And I, I think I want to do stunts. So that's how I got into stunts. <laughs> and uh, when did you, when did you first meet uh, Judo Jean LaBelle? Uh, let's see. Well, I had read and heard about him when I was little and then uh because he's on that path have, like martial arts a lot of stunt work 
yeah, Guru Dan was was always talking about him, and then, uh, gosh, I don't even know where I met him. Uh, I don't, I don't remember. I met him. I think I met him through Guru Dan, and he used to always tell me that Guru Danny was his idol when he was a little kid. <laughs> and I'm like, who's older, Guru Dan or? But it's funny because I just used that joke yesterday. <laughs> well, that's good timing. You were my idol when I was in diapers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, G LaBelle's always got something uh, crazy to say, something funny to say like well, that. The funny bone aspect, that's right off the bat, I go, this guy's totally cool. First of <laughs> all, he could he could twist your neck. He could he could break any part of your body in half. And, and then he's funny to boot. He just makes jokes all the time. Yeah, I remember uh, the first time, when I first moved to Los Angeles, which must have been 2002 or 2003, and you might actually know this because <clears throat> when I first moved there, there was this big old hotel, which is gone now, called the Ferrama. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Right I next to... The furry, the, the furry mama. <laughs> yeah, and it was right next to Inasano's gym. And when I was living there... That... I used that to go in there all the haunted. time. Yeah, I lived. Haunted. I lived in that hotel for about oh, yeah. uh, for about a year while I was trying oh. to figure out where I was going to live. And, That's uh, weird. I lived there for a month after a breakup. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, it's that hotel is definitely haunted. Well, it's it destroyed haunted. now. It's not there, right? There's only half of it left, and it was uh, the the high standing aspect, the big building. Yeah, it's still there, but the the big layout that was gone. Yeah, that lower have, part that was right next to Inasano's, that's where I lived. Oh, wow. And you know, so I went in there looking for you. I went in there looking for you. And you were out touring the world as you do. And uh, and what was his name? Mike McAuliffe? Is that right? Yeah, he was teaching the shooto class. Yes, yes. I remember I went there for a couple months and uh, he was cool. Australian guy, if I remember right. He was the old, he, he came up at the same time as me. And then for some reason, I just started fighting. It was Chad and I, uh, the director of John Wick. He and I were the first two Americans to go to Japan to fight together. And then Michael was kind of a, maybe a, not a generation, but maybe a couple people off from fighting. And he kind of came in later and he, he had a, three round or an exhibition match with Lumina Santo uh, and then Ron Balicki and Ed Wedding and Jonathan Eusebio were the other. And then there was, I think Yuri brought one more guy over there and then that was it. Wow. So what, what year was it that you uh, ended up taking that being the first American to win the shooto? Uh, 1996. I, I had to fight. I had to fight five champions and beat them before I could challenge the belt. And then when I when I fought the champion Kawaguchi, it was a non-title match. I beat him. I armbarred him, and it sent the whole association into shock. And then they go, "Oh, maybe he got lucky. So let's have a rematch. Let's fight for the belt." So I had to wait two years for him to prepare because he said, "I have a real job, unlike you, that's a full-time martial artist." And I go, "So wait, bartending two jobs and doing <laughs> private lessons and intensives doesn't." count as a real job (laughs) i think it does well so 1996 man so that's insane how did you and this is always something that 
back in those days, because 90, uh, 94 was the first UFC. And so, uh, yeah, in 93, uh, it was actually, I think November of October, November, 93. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Because, um, Pancras was like a month, a month earlier in 93. You're right. It was the first one was at the end of 93. And, you know, back in those days, cause my first exposure was at UFC two. I actually was able to go to it, oh. but it was so frustrating because, you know, I'm out here in Colorado, not connected to anything and, or anybody really and wanting to get involved, but there was like no way to get booked on shows. There was hardly any tournaments back then. How did you That's get right. connected up so well? Was it through Yuri and, and from Inasano to get booked yes. over in Japan that early? It was the Inasano Academy. I, when I first started Shudo in 1988, I started doing it. Uh, I was I was training at Hickson's at the time. And uh, I remember taking my first seminar at the Inasano Academy, and they said, punching, kicking, throwing, salto, salto, punch, <laughs> kick, salto. And I go, wow, that looks interesting. It's a mixture of kickboxing with grappling. I go, I got to do it. So I did the seminar, and I was – it was weird because all the kicking he had, all the kick, kick, catch takedowns, which there was no answer to the Muay Thai kick back then. It was check the kick. He caught the kick four different ways and took everyone down and submitted them. Mm. And so it was like that. That's the new art right there because it has an answer to Muay Thai. And and all the clinch takedowns with the die roll knee bars and and all the drop hanging arm throws off the clinch and and all the uh, drop seonagis. Uh, and, and all the suplexes from everything with the leg, catching the leg and doing the dragon screw to the head and arm with the suplex and a body lock suplex, belly, 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 side, belly, back, arm in, arm out, combat suplex, turning them, dropping them on their clavicle. And he was teaching all of it. He was even teaching uh, one guy, uh, someone pulls guard, you, you body lock under the hips, you stand up, and then you combat suplex them over your head. Wow. To, to destroy their shoulder and all that. that back in the 80s yeah yeah, yeah but that was uh that was the training in the early 90s but in the late 80s uh it was the seminar it started with the seminar and i remember when we hit the ground he showed 30 techniques and i was blown away i just went oh my gosh i've never seen any of these so i went home my roommate was uh, also training with hickson he was a blue belt and i said hey do you want to grapple and he goes, yeah. So we put the mat down in the living room. We rolled and I neck cranked him and I ankle locked him. And he goes, yeah. what the hell? Cause, cause as a blue, a fellow blue belt under Hickson, you get private lessons and your privates are your private lessons are almost the same. So you learn the same amount of techniques. So the trick was to take more private lessons to get more information, which obviously gave them more money. So they said, if you want to get better than this guy, you have to do more privates. I'm like, I don't have enough time, nor do I have enough money. To- so, so you kind of zigged while everybody else was zagging and dipped your toes into the catches catch can world and came back with all these crazy neck cranks and leg locks that nobody else was really teaching. Uh, it gave me, it gave me a bunch of weapons in jujitsu class. Cause I got to roll in the, in the, I was doing privates with Hickson at the time. And then I got, to, he said, I, I can't teach you anymore. Your questions aren't relevant unless you take the, take the group class. He goes, then you'll have tons of real questions because you'll be tried, true to tested. Hmm. And so I took the, the big, the group class, which she throws you into the shark tank. And now you have questions cause you get stuck or you get caught or, 
And so what I was doing is I was going at 9 a.m. to the shooto class on Wednesday morning and Saturday. And I remember uh, after class, right after class, I would go, I would rip over to Hickson school and then I would get on the mat. And so in his class, I tried to use as much of the shooto that I could because most people had never seen it. A lot of guys asked me, they said, are you a wrestler or a judoka or something? <laughs> I go, yeah, I guess something like that. Cause I, I did Kazuri and, and Keizugatami in North and South. I love those three positions and I had tons of attacks from them and, and they just said they were forbidden that they weren't, they weren't relative or, or they were dangerous positions to go to. But, you know, we had combination one, which was 30 submissions and then, case of Katami, there was you know eight to ten submissions right there all the time well and then speaking of forbidden i mean there's the story that i think eddie bravo always tells about how uh, you almost started a riot by uh by getting a leg lock at a at a big tournament or something like that yeah in 96 i i went to the pan ams in redondo beach and the first guy that I, I waited eight hours for my match and they kept calling my name, oh. I thought, because oh. in Portuguese, every name sounds like Eric Paulson. <laughs> <laughs> what a narcissist. Just kidding. But it, it, I was like, Eric Paulson. I go, did you call my name? They go, no. So I'm outside. I'm starving. So I ate yeah. a hot dog and I'm sitting there and they're eating a hot dog. I don't have my gear on. They call my name. And someone goes, bro, you're up. So I'm eating a hot dog, choking on it, running across the mat, <laughs> putting my gi top on. And I, sure enough, I got a Brazilian uh, black belt judo. And the first thing he does is he grabs my collar, my wrist or my sleeve and starts snapping crap out of me. And, and then all of a sudden he kind of like showed me his back once he, like he was going to, he backstepped and then he faked it. And then he did it again. He tried to do uh, like an agoshi or a kubi. Now he had an arm throw and I just body locked him and power suplex power slammed him just picked him straight up half twist and slammed him on his back wow. in front of all of the referees. And then the, or not the referees, the judges. And the, those were like Horian, Hoyce, Hicks and all the R's. Wow. Kicking. And all of a sudden everyone was like, Ooh, cause they suplex a guy. And then I mounted him and I dismount him with Katagatami had an arm choke. That was my first match. And then the second match, uh, I went against another Brazilian and we went and we were both being tentative. And then I finally just went laid back and I went for an act. They go, I think they said 40 seconds. So I'm like, well, man. So I dove onto his leg and I rolled left. He countered. I rolled right. He countered. I rolled left. He countered. I rolled right and he tapped. Wow. And then I won. And that's how I won the, the uh, Pan Ams in 96. And I got booed. I had never heard an entire arena boo so loud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, isn't that weird now that what twenty years later, what you know? It's the epitome. It's the epitome of jujitsu. They show a girl knee barring another girl, and yeah. they go, "Oh, world champions!" And then they show two girls, one's knee barring the other. And I'm just like, that, that was nobody even knew what a knee bar was when I started. <laughs> nobody even knew it. They called a heel. It was actually called a heel hold, not even a heel hook. And Hickson just said, we don't do that. I popped a guy's knee. Uh, we both had an Achilles lock. And then I transitioned to the heel hook. And I go, I got it. Tap. And he goes, no, you don't. And he goes, I don't feel it. And oh, I go, well, no. it's on. And he tapped. Uh, he didn't tap. He screamed and his knee popped. Oh. And then I got yelled at. I got reprimanded. It's crazy how and times have changed. 
It's really oh, crazy. It's completely. It's now all the knee bars and ankle, all the leg attacks. That's what everyone's doing. But it's like that was 80s, 90s. You know, it's like it's funny to see like this guy goes, he said to me a while ago, he's black belt. He goes, if I ever had to grapple you, the only thing I'd ever be afraid from you is a is an ankle lock because I know all the other stuff. <laughs> I go, oh, okay, okay, thanks. I think I don't know. So you know, neck cranks too, and because we do a ton of those. Well, yeah, I mean, you uh, you shot that neck uh, breaker DVD <laughs> breaker. for us, which is like just like hours of different. <laughs> manipulations on the cervical vertebrae, which is just absolutely crazy. Um, and by the way, guys, go over to scientificwrestling.com. Uh, check that title out. It is truly a classic. Um, Eric, what are you, what, I mean, you know, let's let's plug some of your stuff. What are you uh, up to? I mean, I know that you've got um, all your like affiliates, man. I mean, how many, how many different gyms do you have now that are under the CSW banner? It's got to be crazy. Oh, well... Uh, they're running our program through them. So, so it's kind of crazy because jujitsu really took off. Like, like we were notorious for MMA and a no-gi program. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden everyone wants to put a gi on and get belted because hmm. they see some of the guys are in tournaments and they're getting publicity and, and you know, the belt empowers people. They, you know, the someone, they say, Oh, you got your purple belt. You didn't deserve it. And they, I go, well, they may, they may not be a purple belt today, but tomorrow they will be. So, uh, you know, you, you kind of come into your, you, you step up, it makes you step up, but, uh, you know, it's just rolling in a gi. I don't know. It just, you know what it does? Here's the deal. Uh, no gi. My retention with no gi was about four years, maybe three years top. My retention with the gi is 10 years because it takes, 10 you know, years, eight, eight, eight years to get a black belt. Right. So everyone's on the gold. So as far as a business standpoint for schools, it makes sense. You want, you want to retain your students. You don't want to train. I have a list of over a thousand students that I've trained throughout the years because I was teaching MMA and no gi grappling. Right. No, now believe me. That's the big years. issue is retention. Like that I've been battling as well. Like, it's just unless there's a belt, because you know, in 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 catch anyway, you know, all people care about the only color belt they care about is a gold belt, <laughs> you know, an actual gold uh, championship belt. But you know, yeah. it's that that's the problem. It's like the same in wrestling, youth wrestling as well. Like, how many incredible badass wrestlers are there out there that just didn't win the state uh, tournament or whatever? But they're still just absolute beasts. But they don't get that's belted right. and they don't get that's any right. kind of recognition. But then there's this real, it seems like there's this real kind of hard pushback against that kind of uh, uh, ranking in, in wrestling. Well, yeah, definitely. You know, um, Kenny Johnson, he's got the bolt wrestling. Mm, yes. and he's actually tried to put a rank system on his curriculum for wrestling, which is interesting. Uh, if people could try to use that, it's just all wrestling. It's not subs. It's. It's just all the variations of the takedowns. Wade and has the same thing. He has this very oh, elaborate, like, <clears throat> belt ranking system for wrestling. And it's cool. Like, he's got, you know, you win so many tournaments or you do this. And you don't have to necessarily win tournaments. You can do these, these other things and technique. 
And uh, he just had it, and, and it was Wade Chalice, you know? Like, like yeah. you don't get much of a bigger name than that in wrestling, and no. he still couldn't right. really get it to go either. So it's just, I don't, the belting in wrestling is a real hard, and it's a problem that needs to be solved because you're 100% right. Retention from people on the business side and trying to coach and teach people, it's really hard to retain wrestlers. And it's, and it's, it's pretty grueling on top of that, you know, whereas jujitsu, you can spend a little more time on your back or whatever. And it's, and it's tough, but wrestling is a lot more hustle. And it, I, that, that's a, a tough nut to crack. Have, have you put any kind of ranking system on your no gi? Yeah, I do. I have uh, coach level one, coach level two, Coach level one is positions one through one through f- the five basics. The fit in the palm of your hand is crossbody, close guard, kneeling, back control, and side control. So those are your basic fives. Those are the fundamental five that you need to master. Uh, mount, crossbody, close guard, kneeling, and back control. Back facing up, facing down, facing sideways. And then the secondary positions is level coach level two, which is Kezagatami, knee on belly or shin on belly, Hon Kezagatami, Kazuri Kezagatami. Uh, it's open guard because in the advanced levels, guys are opening their legs. And then, uh, and then it's also north and south. And then there's takedowns. You have to know takedowns with all those, but that's coach level one, coach level two, coach level two. Uh, someone asked me what coach level two is. I said, it's equivalent, probably equivalent to a Brown or a black belt coach. Level yeah. one is a blue to purple, but I'll tell you coach level one is the mastery of the basic five positions that you're going to deal with regularly. You know, uh, secondary position is half guard side, half guard, scissor side, half guard, butterfly, half guard, stretch guard, for the jujitsu practice, obviously in catch wrestling, there's no play off the back with any guard, leg scissor, but it's all top top game. So the thing right. is, is what that I sounds wanted- similar. That's similar to what I'm working too, because I've got like a 200 hour uh, assisted coach, which might be akin to your coach level one, and then uh, full coach, and then you know build that out before we start ranking people beyond that but it's it's yeah. difficult that's a difficult i know um <clears throat> i think uh neil melanson has been trying to do a ranking thing too for his system um i you're you really nailed it that is like the puzzle for people that are trying to keep people engaged with the no gi thing it's like well i've that, had that i've had that i have the dvds i've had this i've probably had it for 15 maybe 15 years yeah uh, i mean you're such a pioneer level, man you've been around the coach level well i'm older so but the coach level two the coach level two information was the stuff that that uh the positions that most people don't address and you know like eddie bravo starts people in half guard he doesn't you know doesn't start him in the mount he starts he starts but his his system starts him in a secondary position which they use as a primary. So they're all half guard, uh, rubber guard, half guard. And, and then they, they dig themselves out of the bottom and they get to the back. So it, it's interesting. And, and when you watch Eddie do stuff, uh, he's smooth. I mean, he transitions so smoothly from the back to the legs, back to the back, 
back on top. And, and his game, when you watch him do it, is pretty simple and basic. But some of those guys get so technical with their stuff. Some of it, um, some of it's really cool. Some of it's very interesting, you know. And uh, again, new, newer style jujitsu versus the traditional old style stuff, the old Gracie jujitsu. But you look at Henner and those guys; uh, they are masters. They are masters of the basic the basic five positions. And that's why they're so good because they, they mastered the five basics. You know, they don't, they don't sit, uh, you know, and practice the half guard side half guard. Uh, Chris Howder, I was talking to him and I said, what do you think about the half guard? And he started laughing and he goes, you mean when you fuck up? <laughs> and I started laughing Because <laughs> basically if you're in half guard, he said, you've obviously passed and left a leg behind. You haven't kept your feet under your butt. And I go 100% agreed. And then it was funny because Henner and when their when their dad was or their grandfather was still alive, not Horian, but uh, Helio, someone uh, they were on a seminar and this guy raised his hand. He said, uh, "Excuse me, Master Helio, uh, could you show something from half guard?" And he goes, "What? What are you talking about?" And the kids go, "Don't worry, don't worry. He doesn't know that so much. So we'll we'll show you later." <laughs> Because it wasn't prominent. And then right. it's funny because Dan and Asano was with Jean-Jacques. Jean-Jacques competed in the in uh, Pan Ams. And the IBJJF, they gave him a rank of a secondary black belt. They go, how long have you been doing jiu-jitsu? He goes, 25 years. Wow. And they go, oh, we think you're a second degree black belt. And he goes, are you serious? <laughs> and so they were so disrespectful. Hickson invited him to his house and he promoted him to his red and black belt, which is a seventh degree black belt. And Dan and Asano and Rick Young were there. So Hickson goes, okay, now I'm going to give you guys a private after the promotion. So uh, Guru Danny, uh, name a position you'd like me to go over. And Guru goes, oh, geez, can we do a, a half guard? And he goes, no. And then, and then Hickson goes, no, a real position. That's funny. Wow. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's funny. That's fu I mean, that's one hell of a room uh, to be a fly in too. That's, that's pretty crazy. Hey, uh, we're uh, running up against our first commercial break. Yep. I'm here with Eric Paulson, guys. Uh, stay tuned. I'm going to pay some bills here with these ads and uh, we'll get back. I want to talk a little bit about the connection of uh, Shudo to catch wrestling um, and uh, also Eric's views on the evolution of MMA and grappling over all the years because he's been so uh, intimately evolved for so long. Guys, uh, hang on. We'll be right back to do it again podcast. And we are back. I am super excited to have my uh, longtime friend, super badass dude, mystical uh, coach of, of <laughs> all things martial arts, uh, the man, the legend, Eric Paulson. Hi, Eric. How are you? Hello. Uh, that was a quick break. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, we try to make it painless. Um, so... Uh, Tell me a little bit about, because you, you, you spent mo probably most of your, and tell, correct me if I'm wrong, this is just from my understanding, you spent most of your time in Shuto under Yuri Nakamura, fair? That's right. And, That's and true. So what is, is, was Yuri Nakamura's connection to like Sayama and, and the overall Shuto organization? Because I don't really know that much about Shuto, and especially back in the like kind of the early days, those beginning days. Okay, so 
uh, Yuri Nakamura uh, assisted assisted uh, uh, Satoru Sayama, Tiger Mask, to create Shudo. Okay. Carl Gotch was was his submission coach, and he said that will never fly. It has to be show wrestling, the real fighting and the and the uh, grappling stuff that'll never make it. it it's just going to flop. It's all uh, the secrets in show wrestling. That's where the money is. And so Sayama tried to prove him wrong. And he also, because his his birthday is the same as Bruce Lee, so he really loved the Bruce Lee stuff. And Yuri uh, is the head of the Bruce Lee Foundation in Japan, him and his wife. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... So when he came to the Inasano Academy, uh, he wanted to learn JKD and Guru goes, well, you're from Japan. What do you have to offer? And he showed the Shudo and Guru just goes, do you want to teach at my school? Nice. He did a a demo and it was amazing. He was very military. He had a, he had a flat top. He always wore this black and white striped shirt with the purple pants and the red shoes. And and he listened to a band called Lindbergh, which was a 1984 disco, or it was a 1984 J- Japanese band. And that was the music we had to do footwork to. But uh, anyways, he, he helped he helped found Shudo. He was teaching for Sayama when Sayama was out doing stuff. He was the teacher. He actually created helped create the, uh, the art form of Shudo. It's, it's actually an actual martial art. A lot of people say, oh, it's just fighting. It's a fight league. Yeah. Well, then what did we learn when, when Yuri Nakamura was teaching? The kickboxing was was a mixture of about three different three different art. Kyunkashin, uh, Fujiwara uh, was the number one, uh, the kickboxer, Toshio Fujiwara. He was, he was the kickboxing teacher to Sayama for his kicking. And Sayama had the hardest kick in Japan by far. He could. He broke Yuri Nakamura's arm, his his uh, forearm bone through. He kicked the tie pads and broke his arm oh, through, wow. a five, through a five inch tie pad. Jeez. And so, uh, anyways, Yuri, <clears throat> when I found out, I did my first private lesson with him, and I said I want to do it. So he started a class, and and then there was a competition style class, and it was a Wednesday morning nine a.m. class and a, a Saturday class. And he, uh, I told him right off the bat, I said, I want to fight. I want to fight. And I want to learn as much submission as I possibly can under you because it's so different and you're so technical. So my first private lesson, we sit down, he pulls out his, his notebook and I go, what is that? And he goes, uh, these are my submission book and notebook. And then his wife goes, since Yuri is a genius. <laughs> and I go, well, what are those? Cause they're all numbered and they're written and there's illustrations. And he goes, Oh, these are all the submissions. And I looked and I, I go, well, how many are there? And he goes, Oh, a thousand. And I go wow. a thousand submissions. And, you know, and then Hicks had said, it's not, it's not the accumulation of submissions. It, it's how well, how many times you can do an arm bar is what's going to get you good. It's not how many arm bars, you know? Yeah, true. Which is true. You know, it's like anything, but uh, anyway, so I did privates with him and I got through combos one through 10 combos. One through 10 is approximately 148 to 150 submissions. Each combination has anywhere from six 
or eight to 30 submissions in it. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So, so it was actually set combo one, combo two, combo three. Uh, you're, you're an advanced student and then you, you go, uh, combos one and combo two and then combos, you get up to level, uh, seven. If you are testing for your pre-shooter and then nobody else gets the, uh, eight, nine and 10, unless like for me, I did privates. So I got to learn every combination and every private that I took was contingent upon the last. And each one was contingent upon combos one through 10. That's so, amazing. I mean, people I need to go watch some of those old Tiger Mask uh, matches. I mean, the guy just was like so he's, gifted, he's a, like physically. A gymnast. Like yeah. a gymnast. He does head springs, hand springs, back flips. And he, he was ballsy. And he, you know, he got that when he went to Mexico with the, what's a, is it the, the Lucha, 4X? The yeah, Lucha the, Libre the, stuff. Yeah. That's where he learned how to flip stuff. And I asked him, I said, can you, can I ask you about the leg locks? He goes, yes. And I go, the knee bar. He goes, the knee bar basically came from Sambo. And I go, okay. How about the Achilles lock? He goes, catch wrestling, uh, toe hold, catch wrestling, Achilles lock, Sambo, catch wrestling. And I go, the heel hook. And he goes, oh, the heel hook. Oh, I learned that from Ivan Gomez. <laughs> And, and people don't know Ivan Gomez. He was a professional wrestler, but also yeah. a fighter. Right. The Gomez brothers were the toughest jujitsu guys, uh, some of the toughest jujitsu guys in Brazil in, in their time period. And they wrestled professionally to make money, kind of like uh, Maeda. Mm -hmm. hmm. They became pro. They were pro wrestlers. They wrestled in Japan, but they also did uh, real matches, too. They had real fights, the, the, the Volley Tudo fights and... Uh, they were, they called them, they were in the old days, the Lucha Libre and the, uh, and the jujitsu were together because they, a lot of times they had to fight. So they did both. They did Lucha Libre or Lucha Libre, Lucha Libre, whatever you call it, and a volley tudo. And then they also did, uh, jujitsu matches. And, and then Yvonne went into the pro wrestling aspect. But it's weird that a pro wrestler from Brazil would teach Sayama the heel hook. Well, so the Luta, so in, in Brazil, the Luta Libre was the catch wrestling uh, mixed oh. with mixed with the jiu-jitsu. Basically, it was because it became hybrid because it was originally catch wrestling, but then they had so many challenge matches against the jiu-jitsu that they just, the, the, the Luta Libre started adopting obviously you know a lot of the strategies from jiu-jitsu but a lot of those guys started out with catch wrestling and that's kind of probably the pro wrestling influence uh you know oh, taking those kind of bookings and whatnot yeah um, that makes sense that and, and then also the fist the challenge the challenge matches and the fist fights you know it's funny because they say oh you know jiu-jitsu has it all and i'm like well they don't teach boxing <laughs> right. and that's part of it. and these guys go toe-to-toe -to -toe and slug each other's faces in well, that's what I, that's one thing I've always really admired about you is that um, you have a real depth of knowledge, but you have a depth of knowledge across many, across a broad domain as well. Like I always thought of you as almost like an ambassador because you bring the best from all these different sports and, and have everybody talking and communicating, um, you know, for a long time, catch is catch can and still to this day, it's very small, 
but you know, um, nobody even, they nobody even really thought it was even a real thing, you know. But you were always advocating and and doing uh, great work in that regards uh, uh, for catch. Um, but I mean, you you've studied like, I mean, you you take very much kind of that. I mean, Bruce Lee was a massive influence, right? The Jeet Kune Do kind of um, approach, the philosophy of like taking from anything uh, that you kind of come across. Whatever works, whatever works, it doesn't matter what art it comes from. I tell everybody, I said, listen, you're a grappler, learn Chana grappling, learn all the wristy, twisty wrist locks, learn Aiki Jiu-Jitsu, learn the finger lock system, learn all the wrist locks you can learn, learn how to throw people, learn sumo wrestling because it's a sumo is it works well in the cage. Use uh, learn, learn Greco freestyle, collegiate folk style. Learn, learn how to uh, learn judo, learn sambo, do jacket wrestling, do shoot boxing, you know, learn to combine the kickboxing uh, and the grappling together where there's no burps and bubbles, where it's just smooth. Take away all the, all the, uh, a lot of guys, they do, they do Thai boxing and jujitsu and they think that's substantial. And there's a gray area, which is how to shoot off of a jab across a hook an overhand, an uppercut, a knee, a kick, a round kick, a front kick, a side kick, a spin kick. How are you going to shoot? How are you going to, how are you going to apply your grappling? And, and what's your takedown? What's your go-to? Uh, you look at some of these jujitsu guys are so spectacular on the ground and their takedowns are horrible. Mm-hmm. They have no takedown. It's like, how, how are you going to get to your game? If you can't get a guy on the ground, if you just grab them and hang on them, that doesn't always work. Yeah, especially if the guy's got big old tree trunk legs or or is it has any good kind of hips. basic wrestling or, or judo. Good hips, good core, good balance, strong legs. And, yeah. and and the guy maybe he knows how to stuff a shot. Maybe he knows how to use his hips in or hips down or pick you up like a like Guy Metzger, one of the hardest guys I ever trained to take down. And I was trying to figure it out. I was like I was in the middle of uh ken when he fought tito or sorry not tito uh chemo mm. and he knocked chemo out with the knee but i was sitting there after and i was like why is guy so hard to take down and so after ken's fight guy was in the lobby and he walks up to congratulate me and i fake like i dropped like i was gonna shoot and he dropped to the floor and he had both of his hands at the floor and i go aha <laughs> And he goes, what? And I go, you double underhook. That's what it is. Because <laughs> I kept thinking about it, like, why, why is he stuff my tackles so well? And That's so funny. I shot on him after Ken's fight, and he hit a, he hit a double on He picked me up like a baby. And he He's strong. So natural. <laughs> so, so well, I mean, you, you've had this kind of, you know, longevity in the martial arts. I mean, and you're still a young dude, but like, um, what, what do you think, how would you describe the overall evolution as you've seen it, like occurring from like, say the eighties or even the seventies into today? Well, I watch some of these new guys do stuff and I like, like I watch some of the Mendes brothers that I watch them do their, their drills and how they're getting to people's back. I watch these guys do Barambolo stuff. I, I, even when I was young, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that stuff. But but uh, Keenan Cornelius, all these guys got some really cool new. Just the whole idea of everything, 
has changed a lot, but I love the catch. Catch wrestling is JKD. It's it's a streamline. It's immediate attack. If you touch it, you take it, and you have to be direct with your attacks. I. It's funny because I teach a gi class, packed house, and then half the size of the gi class is the catch class, which is right after. And that class, just if, if everyone could do both. It would their their games would change exponentially, but a lot of people, uh, again, they're they're spending all their time in the gi. So even after the class, they'll roll in the cage in the gi for a half hour, forty five minutes while I'm teaching the nogi stuff. And the nogi is all wrestling and all pinning, and escapes, reversals, bridging, and uh, also tons and tons of neck cranks and leg attacks. And takedowns and controls and rides, and it's the, the things that they don't get in jujitsu. That I I wish that I could, in my years. I mean, that's what I did. I sought after both, mm-hmm. and right. and I was fortunate that I found Rico Ciparelli, and he, he, we had a mutual friend, and he called me. And he said, "I'd like to do a trade with you. I'd like to trade wrestling for submission," mm. and so. Rico Ciparelli was my wrestling coach. So wow. this guy goes, hey, a lot of the stuff you do looks like Iowa wrestling. I go, well, he was Dan Gable, one of Dan Gable's top guys. He's right. the exotics guy. And I watched him roll with Fernando Vasconcelos and other black belts. And nobody could touch him. Nobody could submit him. When he was really rolling, I was looking at it going, I go, how are you so hard? He goes, ah, I just have good hips. <laughs> how are you so good like how, how are guys how can guy how are guys not even he goes well first of all nobody knows how to wrestle yeah and he goes everyone thinks wrestling standing he goes but there's a ton of ground wrestling and man i said please show me so i had him teach camps and he did hip ice heel slip drills sit outs uh everything grambies but so, um, so do you think that there's been, uh, you know, f- let's say from the seventies, like just the martial arts scene, you know, like kind of the black belt magazine type of audience demographic and move forward into today. Do you think that wrestling and maybe even more specifically catch wrestling has become more relevant or, or yeah, less relevant? they did a comparative study at the time with the UFC with jujitsu versus the catch style. And I'm talking when when Frank was still fighting, and they said as far as like victories in in uh, the UFC, there was more there were more catch wrestlers winning than there were jujitsu guys winning. Yeah, you have to normalize because like literally for every ten thousand jujitsu guys, there's one catch guy. But once you normalize all that, that the catch yeah, style has a more winning ratio is what you're saying. Well, yes, and it's funny because when guys are learning jujitsu. They only want to learn jujitsu. Nothing, <laughs> yeah. nothing that's highbred. Don't teach me anything. That's not jujitsu. Oh, that's illegal. Oh, that yeah, you you'll get called for that. You'll get disqualified in IBJJF. And I go, well, so your all your training that you do is only jujitsu for an IBJJF tournament. I go, do you know how? Do you understand how much uh, grappling that you're missing? How many submissions that you're missing? You're 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 just trying to play a sport. And then it's funny, once they get their black belt, then they go, hey, I saw that catch stunt. It's really intriguing. <laughs> and I go, all black belts in jujitsu will suddenly want to learn 
that trust. Yeah, that's so funny. That I, you know, there is some truth to that because that's a lot of the guys that show up at camp for me. That's that's pretty damn true. So it is, <clears throat> Eric. If people were were kind of running up against a, our time limit here, unfortunately, I've got a doctor's appointment, and <clears throat> given my uh, recent health scare, I don't want to be late for it. But uh, yeah, um, God bless you. For yeah, that. thank you, sir, and thank you for reaching out and all that. You know, behind the scenes stuff. I really appreciate oh, it. Thank you. Um, so, so people, people who want to get in touch with you, is it, is it the CSW website? What's the best place for people to kind of jump off into the Eric Paulson universe? Oh, uh, Eric Paulson.com. Uh, you can go on there and, um, I have a website, an online website, uh, that has tons of about 4,000 videos up and, wow. uh, we have just one that's for normal people. I think it's like 30 bucks a month. They can access all the videos, all the DVDs I ever made. Most of them are up on that, so they can watch that too. Those and people don't understand, bottom. man. Eric's got some like the, so much great content. I mean, the ones that pop oh, out for me are obviously the just the even those old leg lock videos you put out were so <laughs> seminal for me. And then you <laughs> had one on game development too, which was real for me oh. as a coach really helped a lot. That was awesome. Well, thank you, but. uh you know, I, I, so I was told by Sensei Yuri that I was never allowed to put a combination, a pseudo combination on video and sell it. Mm. He said, I don't want any of this stuff. He said, if people want to learn it, they come to you, they come to me. Yeah. He said, otherwise, that might not be, gonna... that might be the Carl Gotch influence. Cause that sounds exactly how Carl was with teaching. Doesn't want, doesn't want them on video that a normal guy that doesn't like Hickson. He said, I don't want my stuff. This is what he said. I don't want, I don't do videos because I don't want someone that doesn't respect me yeah. to take, to steal from me, yeah. to use my stuff. They don't, he goes, if they respect me, they all come and train with me and then they'll learn the secrets. Yeah. See, that's, that's how Carl crazy. was too. He, he gets so pissed. Like if anybody even used his name, he's like, use your own name. Like, you know, like, oh. anyway, yeah, yeah that's Lauren, crazy. Lauren, um, what's his last name? Uh, Lauren Umflet, something. Yeah, I, I haven't. Man, that's been years. Okay. Well, anyways, Lauren was training with Carl, and he he got all the combat conditioning stuff from him, and he showed up at one of my seminars, and he goes, "Hey, I have a gift for you." And he gave me uh, the last picture that Carl signed. He was suplexing somebody, and it said to Eric. And oh, uh, that's very nice. And that's he passed nice. right after he signed that. Yeah, uh, he passed away, and and it was July two thousand seven. It was really sad, and then and then also with with uh, Coach Billy, he when I went and saw him in Japan, I went there with Josh, and uh, I was I was Josh's coach at the time, and I was with Matt Hume, and we went there the first night, and the second night, Matt and Josh went to dinner together. And I had the night off as a Friday and I got on two, two or three trains and got there. I was so excited. And I go, hi, sir. I, I uh, finally made it. I'm here to take your class. I'm so excited. And he just goes, roll with him. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I thought for sure he was going to go, oh, that's so cool. That you got on three trains to come and train with me. <laughs> and he made me roll with the head of the snake. Pit. Yeah, Miato. Miato, yeah. So Miato, I met Miato at the at, – Ensign Inouye's Shudo Gym uh, out in Omiya, he was teaching a combat wrestling class. Oh, wow. And I, 
And I learned that I re- still remember. I learned the North and South had an arm choke from him. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll get to that story on the next time. I hate to cut you short because I yeah, could okay. listen to yeah, you. you. I could to, listen to these stories. You need all day. to get to the. You know, <laughs> I heard I do your, have do- to get your dog was in the background prompting you to get ready to get to your appointment. <laughs> Probably. I appreciate so. your time. I appreciate you having me on, and I'm sure we could tell tons of stories and and also. Love to hear your interjection and all the historical stuff and the things that most people have never heard. That's why this guy goes, who should I, who should I interview for Catrust? And I go, get Jake Shannon. Uh, well, he you, historically knows more than anybody. You're, you're always been such a great supporter. And I, I really, really appreciate that to have, a, you have a man you in your books on it. And you even wrote a book on UFOs that a lot of people don't know about. <laughs> yeah, I got some weird shit out there. <laughs> That's cool. Hey, Eric, Food thanks, fighters. brother. I really Food appreciate fighters. you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, well, uh, good luck at your doctor's appointment. Thank you, sir. We'll talk real soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thank you. See ya.